learn how to wrap that thing up. All right, what's happening, everybody? This is the Philly Experience Podcast, a new edition today after another week layoff there. What has it been? Two weeks, T, right? Yeah, it's been it's been a minute since two we weeks. came together to do this. Tanner, obviously not here today, coming back from that Vegas trip, so lucky him. Hurry the hell up. Uh, unfortunately, they got a loss, but I'm sure he enjoyed himself out there. Uh, Max Gretzel with you, of course, Tyre Hood, um, the engine of the show. I will say. That's right. Uh, now I'm looking. But uh, we got a lot to get to today, of course. And it's just, it feels, you know what it is, T? You have, we have our, you know, you have your WIP thing going. You know, we're doing school here with, with the radio station and all. And we, of course, we have our, our things where we touch on sports around the world, of course, and, and the NFL and whatnot. But it's cool to just get here for an hour and just chill, like I mentioned every week, to just sit here to relax and just really vent our frustrations out because of how. I'm not even going to say how poor the Eagles are playing because we are playing really poorly. Poorly just, is an understatement. Just how the, the the franchise is being run at this moment and the man in charge, um, Jeffrey Lurie, but also the coaching staff as well. So I personally want to start with you. We'll get to the game. We'll get to the game, of course. I just want to start with you and talk about, I guess, Nick Sirianni. That's a great place to start because oh, the play calling is still poor. Very we obviously needed we, – we're not going to tarp too much on the Buccaneers game, but there's two games we have to talk about. And the the po- I think what what hurts more is the post game and the pregame stuff, you know, talking on media when we talk about in front of the camera, doing you know going on WIP having interviews with Angelo in the mornings. He just he, I, I think he just doesn't speak well and he doesn't come off as somebody who really I guess puts a lot of time into this stuff. I mean I'm going to assume behind the scenes he's really talking to the the higher-ups, the PR people, about how to go about speaking to the media. I just feel like he doesn't do a good job about that. And that not only when he's struggling as a coach and then pile the just the media stuff on top of it where he just doesn't answer questions clearly and what have you, it just it all adds up to people just getting even more angry and more frustrated because he just he doesn't speak well and he's not answering the questions the reporters are really asking when it comes to offensive schemes and things like that. I'm going to be honest with you, Max. It even goes deeper than that. Um, I can overlook the fact that, you know, most people can't speak publicly. Like, it, it, it's an art form. I agree. It's it's not easy being He's able terrible to, at it, though. Yeah, he is. But, like, we kind of knew that going into this season just based off of his first press conference. We knew that this guy really yeah. couldn't. You know, he, he's, not a, he's not a public speaker. He's just not. Like, so I, I can kind of – I'm fine with that. The part that I'm not fine with is the coaching. And that's the one like I could have overlooked. Right. The fact that, you know, the guy just can't he can't speak publicly. I can understand that. I can listen. I can overlook that. My mindset was as long as you do your job as a coach, I'm fine with you. And that's where I have a main issue with at this point is the fact that he's not doing his job as a coach. He was right in one thing what he said in one of his press conferences, and that was, listen, I'm the head coach, so everything that happens is a representative of me, and right. I'm not doing my job. I agree with that. However, you haven't been doing your job now for the past, what, four or five weeks? And it, it, I'll, I'll even count the Carolina Panthers game because, to be honest with you, I think the Panthers just got comfortable and let you win. That was a game you really shouldn't have won. If it wasn't for the fact that they had Sam Darnold, at quarterback, who's now benched, like, let's be honest here – we're talking about a six-game losing streak instead of a five. Right. It's yeah. it's utterly ridiculous. You cannot continue to go into these games week in and week out and put forth this crap that you have put out 
week after week after week. How how is it that you as a head coach can accept that and do that? And it's pretty obvious that these players aren't listening. I agree with you 100%. Now, we talk about this game this past Sunday, the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. Philly obviously travels out there on the road. Now, Miles Sanders gets hurt early on in the game. It looked like he was the focal point of the offense, that he was being fed the ball like the whole city has really been pounding the table for. Six carries, 30 yards, rolls an ankle, he's out for the rest of the game. It seemed like Nick Sirianni just went away from his game plan at that point. You had (laughs) Kenny Gainwell, who gets out-touched by Boston Scott. We haven't heard Boston Scott's name since the preseason. Boston Scott hasn't even played. Exactly. So answer this question for me. Why in the world... If we haven't heard of Boston Scott in 10 weeks, is he going to all of a sudden week seven when Miles Sanders gets hurt come in and be the number two behind Gainwell? Honestly, I can't even I can't even give you a good explanation for that. I truly cannot. Not unless Kenny Gainwell is really just a, a, a right receiver and he's not really a running back. That's what I'm saying. Say. I mean, I get Boston Scott has more experience, but he hasn't played a snap in how many weeks? And it looked – and he – he played like such. I mean, I know he had a touchdown, right? Yeah, he, he did. had the touchdown. Yeah, he had the touchdown. But that, it was a punchy. You know, it was a punchy in. Right. It, it wasn't it, anything big time. It's it's Gainwell looked electric on that first play. That touchdown he had? He did. I mean, that was an electric play. That was a guy who he belongs in the NFL. The speed that he showed there, the elusiveness to catch that football and take off like that. That's a, that's an NFL caliber player, and it's frustrating because I am a huge Kenny Gainwell fan. Now, I've had some conversations off the air about Kenny Gainwell being a better running back than Miles Sanders, people, and I had, I really truly haven't met one person that agrees with me, that they say that Miles Sanders is better than Kenny Gainwell. And maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's just my opinion. But I've seen Miles Sanders for two years. I haven't seen any improvement. In fact, you could argue I've seen him get worse. It may be coaching. It may not be coaching. He might have this talent. He might not have the talent. I mean, people say he's got, he has all the intangibles to be a good running back, but between the tackles running. The pass-catching ability is pretty weak. Now, granted, he's been a little bit better this year, but last year was atrocious. Mm. He was atrocious pass catcher last year. I'm not even going to argue that. Yeah. And he can't really pass protect either. Here's now, the- Gainwell can't really pass protect either, but I'm talking about Sanders' profile as a player right now. Why do people continue to just say, get Sanders the ball? He's a really good player. Like, What have you seen from him that, that he deserves it? Well, look at the play calling for the past two years, and that, pro- and that proves to you why people say give Miles Sanders the freaking ball. Right. Because even under Doug Peterson, Miles Sanders didn't get that many opportunities to carry the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, shoot, to be honest with you, I think his best opportunity to his best opportunity so far in his career to get over a thousand yards rushing was his first season in Philadelphia, where it was the last time the Eagles went to the playoffs. He was a dynamic running back. All right, he basically took the running back position by storm, especially after all the injuries to um I'm gonna think about Jordan Howard yeah. and guys like that. Like he really took over and that was really his only possibility of getting a thousand yard season. And unfortunately he hasn't come close because he's got coaches that just refuse to run the ball. Like, okay, I've seen coaches that refuse to run the football, of course, here with Andy Reid and with Doug Peterson. Of course, we we beckon them to run the football. That's right. just natural for us. They're 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 passers. That's what they do. That's just their scheme. That's who they are as people. That's who they are as coaches. I have never seen a coach that completely goes away from the run. I've never seen that before, Max. This is unlike anything that I've ever seen. Let me let me raise you this question. We saw the Super Bowl season. We saw how great it was. We did right. Personnel is completely different than it was then, of course. Yes. But let's focus on the rushing attack. Mm-hmm. You had LeGarrette Blount, right? You had right. LeGarrette Blount as your bruiser. Right. Of course, you had Jay Ajayi come in and trade that season. Right. And had, or was it the season prior? 
yeah. one of those. It was but J- he played was, well when he, yeah. he he was a spark plug when he came from the Dolphins. Yeah, JJ came in the year to Super Bowl. People yeah. forget him. Yeah, he he was he was good. Yes, his first game he had a big time touchdown down the sideline or one of the first. because yes. I know originally he wasn't getting a lot of volume, but then as he started to get more incorporated in the offense, he started getting the ball more. Correct. You had the Corey Clement, of course, Corey Clement, a rotation. The whole point of what I'm making here is there was a rotation of running backs. Mm-hmm. There was no number one guy. There was no. Oh, LeGarrette Blount should be getting more touches. The city wasn't upset because it was working. Corey Clement as a pass catcher was working. LeGarrette Blount as a goal line back was working. A runner, a runaway train, as Merrill Reese famously once said. All that worked. Now, we have to go back and ask ourselves why, one, the diff- personnel is different, but we have a new coach now. Why, and this kind of goes back to Doug Peterson last year, mm-hmm. we shot away from it. Miles San- people were, now, once we got Miles Sanders, do you think it's because he's a, he's a sexy second round pick, the flashy new toy? Oh, I want Miles Sanders to be the lead back. When why why did we go away from what was working for us? That was like a snap of a finger. We get Miles Sanders and we draft him, and all of a sudden it's like Miles Sanders is a guy. You got to get Miles Sanders the ball. Get Miles Sanders the ball. And even though people wanted him to get the ball, he wasn't getting it. Like you just mentioned, he did not get the ball as much as people thought he should have. Max, but I thought that committee approach was working great. You're asking the question that everybody's been asking. Um, course i work the overnights after the game so i get these questions all the time and to describe exactly what you're talking about that first series against um against the las vegas raiders i mean it was beautiful symphony it was absolutely beautiful it was a mix of run and pass jalen hurts was in a rhythm that's the potential that you can see from this offense if every if the play calling gets better and you implement the run. Miles Sanders looked like a dynamic running back, the running back that we expected him to be. Why do you go away from it? Why? Because honestly, and this is the only this is the only uh, thing I can say about it. You're just a bad coach, and that's that's the only thing I can honestly say is the issue. Coaching is a freaking issue. This year, mm-hmm. I like, the, and here's the here's where I'm scared for this season. Here's where I think like there's, there's honestly going to be no fix for this season. This coaching staff is young. There's only one season head coach, and that's the offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland. Like he's not going to, his job is offensive line, offense coaching the offensive lineman. Like he's going to stay in his place. Right. Everybody else is young. Nobody very, knows great how coach, to. By the way, Jeff Stoutland. Oh, very, well, very, very good. good coach. You take a seventh round pick and draw Mulatto who played rugby and basically make him into a franchise left tackle. Yeah. My God. But everybody is young. Like, everybody, Max, most of the guys are maybe 10 years older than us. That's an issue. Like, that's, that's a major issue. There's no experience on this coaching staff. There's no seasoned guy to kind of be like, hey, all right, here's what we need to do. Here's what needs to happen. Now it's getting bad to the point where, and we're going to get into a little farther than this, now you got basically coaches calling each other out out there or, you know, in press conferences, you got players now questioning the play calling. Like, it, it, these are issues, man. Let and me it, raise this question here's, to you. here's the crazy ahead, part ahead, yeah. before you before you get to that. Here's the crazy part. Usually, bad seasons like this, you hear rumors first. Right. Then you'll start to maybe hear a player or two come out to the media and say something. You got players already going to the media, where, and there's not even any rumors. This is a Fletcher red flag. Fletcher Fletcher Cox, basically. Fletcher Cox basically came out and said that, look, I'm I'm being limited on what I do. I'm an attacker. This defense doesn't allow me to do it. And once again, that goes back to the conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago when you guys asked me, what type of scheme is this defense running? And he described it basically. It's a scheme 
where the defensive linemen take up the blockers and it's the linebackers jobs to make plays two issues with that one all your defensive linemen are attacking defensive linemen that's major issue number one number two you don't have any fucking linebackers why would you make a why would you come up with a scheme where that puts pressure on your linebackers and you don't have any fucking linebackers i agree with you 100 percent I agree with you. It, it just doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. To make matters worse, let's get into the secondary real quick. Steven Nelson and Darius Slay are not zone coverage guys. As a matter of fact, I can tell you the scheme right now. They only run two plays. They only run two schemes. Cover two and cover four. Cover two, two safeties up top. Cover four, everybody's dropping back and basically getting into a quarter defense. It's almost, it's, it's a prevent, a cover four, without me getting too much into details, is a prevent defense to the extreme. Everybody just backs the hell up. Okay. This is why all these um, running lanes are being allowed. This is why you have all these underneath passes going for 10-plus yards, you know, first down. The teams are able to drive against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's because of the scheme. And Jonathan Gannon is refusing to change, and that infuriates me. I agree with you. And here's the thing. I watched last night's game, Seattle-New Orleans. I don't know if you caught any of it. I did. Probably, okay, I didn't know if you were working or not. Yeah, I caught some of it. I see DK Metcalf on the first or second play of the game taking an 84-yard touchdown down the sideline against Marshawn Lattimore. You know how many catches he had the rest of the game? One. Marshawn Lattimore, one of the best lockdown corners in the game. He gave up that early touchdown. He kind of he – sl- it was wet, and then he slipped, and DK kind of pushed off, in my opinion. But he caught a big-time pass, and you're thinking, okay, 7 nothing, two minutes in the game, see how I was going to run away with this thing. One word. Adjustments. Exactly. And this goes back to your Darius Slay and Steven Nelson point, man coverage. You can't just sit back in the zone. That's what all Jonathan Gannon has been doing, sitting back in the zone. They get what they want. That's why there's so many running lanes. You look at the line of scrimmage. People put six, seven sometimes offensive linemen plus the tight ends, um, and, and we still are only putting four in the four or five. It's stupid. We're not getting six, seven guys in the box to stop the run. Hargrave gets double teamed sometimes. Fletcher Cox and John Ritchie brought this up a few times last week. Fletcher Cox apparently getting beat a lot in one-on-one situations. He's getting pushed back. He he's not getting some push, so he's he not is. the same player. He's getting older. He's, he's, he's getting older. I've seen that over the he's years. Getting double te- those guys are getting, especially Hargrave, getting double-teamed a lot. And that's just you're allowing guys like Kenyon Drake, who probably shouldn't be in the league anymore, get big-time games on the ground. Now, if I told you Darren Waller's going to be out pregame, you're thinking, wow, Darren Waller, a guy that the Eagles have nobody who can cover him, we got a legit shot to win this game. I'm thinking, holy shit. Exactly. Um, we're going to win this damn game. Where there, there's an actual chance. I want to ask you this question because I saw Avante Maddox get an interception over the weekend. What are you making of Avante Maddox right now? Where, where I, do we stand? You you never liked Avante Maddox no. from the beginning, but I always said that slot Avante corner. Maddox was a slot yep. corner, and that's where he needed to yep. be. And now he's thriving. Look, I'll tell you one thing that's um, good statistic-wise in terms of this defense, and the only thing that's good is the play from the slot corner, and that's Avante Maddox. Um, I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me, but there the there's a low um, quarterback rating when quarterbacks throw in that slot. Why? Because Avante Maddox is really taking over that spot. He's a slot corner. He's not destined to be on the outside. Jim Schwartz made that mistake. Let me ask you this question: We got Slay and Nelson as two. This is cover men, right? Mm-hmm. Two man to man guys. Yes. Would you, for that reason, put them man to man coverage who against the two top receivers on the opposing team and do two high safety? You got Epps. That way you you trust your corners down the sideline mm-hmm. if there's a deep ball or going over the middle or whatnot. But you still have the two. If you get a single highest safety, it makes it harder on the corners to cover one-on-one because they don't have too much help over the top. This is very true in what you are saying. However, I would also mix in the coverages as well. 
here's another issue that I keep now I'm hearing because I, I cut up the audio for WIP. So of course I'm going to listen to not just our players, but I'm going to listen to the opposing players as well from the um, other team. And I'm hearing these guys saying that the defense is predictably, and they know exactly what the hell is yes, going on because they show exactly what's going to happen on right. each and every play, every, every play. That's not good. That's not good at all. You can't show a cover two and then play cover two. No, that's too fucking easy. Yeah. Disguise it. All right. You know what Brian Dawkins, Troy Palomalo, Ed Reed used to do? They were in the damn box. If there was a cover two, they were in the box at first. And now you're thinking either cover one or cover three. Yeah. What would they do? Rotate and drop back. And that throws everything they were off. They're also it's a Hall of Fame players. And this we, is true we as got well. Marcus Epps back there. This is true as well. You, you, you come up with a good point. But you see exactly what I'm saying. The schemes yeah. are not being disguised. The quarterbacks are just able to just look there and just sit back and just read what the hell our defense is doing. And it's a disgrace. Shoot. If you listen to, because I listen to quarterback cadences, Derek Carr just basically used to just walk right up to the line of scrimmage and basically said, hey, we're good, we're good. So just an inside info, most teams, most quarterbacks now, they'll go into the huddle with two to three plays. And if you hear a quarterback yell, kill, kill, that usually means, you know, go to the second, second play. play yeah. you, didn't hardly, you didn't hardly hear kill, kill. You don't hardly hear kill, kill this season. Hell, Derek Carr the entire time was like, hey, we're good. Hey, we're good. No, we're good. Mike, so and so, Mike, number 50. So we're good. That's a problem. Yeah. You're not 30, making the quarterback think. 31 of 34, Derek Carr, 91% completion percentage. 91%. Derek Carr. Not Tom Brady. Not Tom Brady. Derek Carr. 91 freaking percent. Are you kidding me? Derek Carr is not Dan Marino. He is not Tom Brady. He is not Peyton Manning. What? Yeah. I agree with you. And I want to see some defensive scheme changes as well. And I, I'm glad you brought that point up because you're right. Darius Slay needs to be put on an island. He's getting paid X amount of money for a reason. We get paid like $50 million over three years or whatnot, $60 million over three years. We're paying him to be a lockdown corner, and you're using him in a zone scheme. How does that make any sense? You're paying him to be a top-notch, top-five, six-corner in the league, one-on-one, put him out on an island, do your thing, and you're – putting him in a zone scheme. Steven Elshie, you brought in on a one-year contract to kind of do the same thing. Like you mentioned, he's a one-on-one kind of guy, and they're using him in a zone scheme. Now, I get it. The safeties, Rodney McLeod still working his way back from that knee injury. Marcus Epps. Right. I'm not, listen, Marcus Epps. He's a decent backup he's a safety. He's decent safety. He's a hard hitter, which I like, yes. which his safety has Absolutely. to be. Absolutely. I don't think he's your weakness. I, I think he's a serviceable guy. Your weakness comes in your linebacking core and your edge rushers. I'll say it. I'll, I'll add something else to that weakness: coaching. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's say because it's look, all coaching. Hey, I agree I'm, with you. I'm sorry, but I took Jim Swartz for granted. Jim Swartz worked with what he had and still dominated. Okay, still especially early on, in got his, the best out of his players. Right. We had no linebackers during his entire. I won't say his entire tenure. We did have Nigel Bradham, but he was the only linebacker that we had throughout his entire tenure. During that time, we didn't really really have decent corners. We had good safeties, but we, we we had okay corners. We had a hell of a pass rush. He made it work. Jonathan Gannon is basically putting a square peg into a round hole. And I'm glad that you brought up, you know, Derek Carr's passing ratings. Because listen to this. This is – I've seen this stat, okay. and, it's, and it's disturbing. Okay. In their five losses, the Philadelphia Eagles defense has allowed quarterbacks to complete 132 out of, get this, 162 passes. That is an 81.4% completion percentage. Yes. Opposing quarterbacks have tallied 
13 touchdowns and only three picks. Why? Because this defense is allowing every damn quarterback to do whatever the hell they want to do to him. It's unacceptable. I think, I think what you have on offense right now is not good. It's not. I can't sit here and tell you acceptable. we got to do X, Y, and Z to get better. Because I just don't think, one, they had the coaching, like you mentioned. I just don't think they had the talent. And this is kind of where we're going to get into Jalen Hurts. The defense, I think there's some guys. There's some players on there that are, defense. That's the issue, though. There's guys. There's guys. But that's where the frustrating part comes with me is because it shouldn't I, be this bad. I expected the offense to struggle because everything yes. is new. Yes. Jalen Hurts is new. The offense is new. I Devontae expect, Smith is new. I expected the offense yes. to struggle. I did not expect my experienced group of defensive players to have an issue. They have an issue because of the place that they are put in, and it's unacceptable. I want to mention this real quick. PG going down really hurts. I had an interview with him crying. I mean, he really truly does care. I love the guy. He's, he's he was in a meeting this week. Exactly. Philly through and through. But losing him as a, your top defensive end early on in the season hurts. Derek Barnett. Derek Barnett, man. He, <sighs> he, he just is out of position so many times during a game. And when you have him and Josh Sweat as you're really your only two kind of edge rushers, it's going to make your team struggle. And you can't create pressure on a quarterback especially when your interior defensive linemen are, one, either getting double-teamed or, two, not as good as they used to be in Fletcher Cox. Derek Barnett so, just – Derek Barnett just, You dumbass. Scheme, just, I know, I know. The coverage schemes need to change. The And when I say coverage schemes, I really mean the whole defensive scheme needs to change because you need to – you you need to figure out if you're Jonathan Gannon this week. All I'm sitting – one, one, I'm watching film, which I'm sure he does. Two, you got to create pressure on the quarterback. Of course. All right? I'm changing my defensive scheme in the secondary to go one-on-one. I'm not saying both guys go one-on-one. Maybe Slay one here and there. Maybe Steven Nelson here and there. Hell, maybe Slay all game if he's really locking down somebody. I mean, fine, do that. But I'm not going just sitting in a zone the entire time. I need to, fight, one, switch my switch the man-to-man on some some of the plays, maybe most of them, and two, figure out a, figure out a way to create pressure on the quarterback. I understand, and you mentioned the linebacking course sucks. It's true. But like you said, Jim Schwartz would work with what he had. How are we going to create pressure? Do you just send Singletary or Singleton? Do you send Wilson on a blitz? Like, how do you create pressure when you're struggling like this? You've got to figure something out. I mean, are you You've blitzing? Are you doing out. that disguise? Where you're saying we, maybe yeah. you start up high and you maybe you get an edge blitz from a corner in the slot? Hell yeah, slot you change. Blitz. Hell yeah, you change up. You you change. You got to change up your approach. You got to change up what the quarterbacks see. So let's say, for example, you mentioned the slot blitz. Here's a, here's what you can do. You can have everybody line up at the line of scrimmage and basically play press corner, but you're really playing a zone. You can send that nickel back into a, um in a blitzing right. You know, a blitz so long as the nickel back stays focused on the right receiver and he doesn't tip it. I don't want Avante Maddox blitzing. No, I don't think he's he's big enough or strong. So enough. you can't really do that. We're playing the Lions this week. DeAndre Swift not a great not a great pass protector. If you bring a blitz on DeAndre Swift, he doesn't have. I mean, listen, guy's a stud. Guy is a stud. You know that. He's a Philly guy. Oh, yeah. But that, that's Jamal, my young boy. Jamal, grew up with him. Jamal Williams is a bigger running back, more experienced running back. Trace was the, the flashy player, the guy who's going to score the touchdowns and get the pass catches. But as a pass blocker, he might be a little short in stature. Not saying he can't do it, but you have a better advantage on getting to the quarterback, in my opinion, if you blitz on Swift as a in the backfield than you do Jamal Williams. And that's crazy that, you're, that you've already come up with that strategy and – we're just sitting here just talking about yeah. it. But, yeah, that that would – The Lions if, are terrible. Can't lose to the Lions. If you were a smart defensive coordinator, yes, that would be the strategy. Hell, yeah, every single time DeAndre's back there, hell, yeah, you send a blitz. You send a linebacker. You right. send a safety. You send somebody back there. Stop just sending four guys. Or, hell, stunt the four, stunt the four pass rushers. Play us an ET stunt, a TE stunt, something. Mm-hmm. Mix it up. 
Stop having these guys line up in the same gap over and over again and expecting a different result. That's the definition of insanity. Can't do that. And, yes, I completely agree with you. It's bad now. Oh, it's bad. Let them lose to the Lions. Oh. Somebody has to be fired. Somebody's getting fired at the end of the season. There's no way if you lose to the Lions. Uh, what, what are they, on seven now? Yes. Jared Goff struggling. He's not really reading defenses that great. They have one impact player on the outside in TJ Hawkinson, right? Their Khalif Raymond's not really that good as, as a receiver. Amon Ross St. Brown, a sleeper pick this year coming out of the draft. But again, a bunch of low life. They don't have a receiver that's going to burn you or hurt you in any kind of way. They have TJ Hawkinson, who's going to be an issue. They have DeAndre Swift coming out of backfield, who's going to be an issue. But they don't have a great team. Their offensive line is middle of the pack at best. I mean, they got a couple of names on that O line, but it's not great. Maybe we'll be able to create some pressure. But the way the Eagles are playing, the, the, the pressure just doesn't seem like it's going to come. The schemes need to change. And defense for the, the Lions' defense is horrible. But the Eagles' offenses, which I want to get to now, Jalen Hurts continues to struggle. And I know you and Tanner are still on the wagon. You're still on the Jalen Hurts train. I know the coaching staff has been terrible. And I know Nick Sirianni, who even mentioned in an interview yesterday, right, that he's been watching a lot of offensive film. He's not even really watching a lot of defensive film. So he's kind of – Head coach slash OC, but I thought Sean or Steve Steichen or Sean Steichen was the OC. I mean, apparently, yeah. Well, when you have an offensive head coach, it depends on what type of head coach you have. If you have an offensive head coach, yeah, they're going to favor more on right. the offense. You have the same thing with a defensive head coach. You got a defensive head coach; he's going to focus more on the defense and rely on his offensive coordinator to run it. It's it's that's a basic thing. But you are the head coach that you should be still observing you're making and decisions. knowing what the hell is yes. going on with your entire unit. Yes. Yes, your focus is on offense, but you are in charge of an entire fucking unit. How about we talk about Nick Sirianni as a receivers coach pre Philadelphia Eagles? I haven't seen a goddamn receiver improve one bit. Devontae Smith, he yeah, he's gonna catch passes and he's gonna get yards because he's really the only guy we have left. I mean Dallas Goddard's really not getting fed as much as I would like. Which is stupid. Right? I mean, Jalen Rager, what, had a garbage time touchdown? What, do you want me to sit here and cheer for that? No, I'm not not cheering cheering for for that. that. No, I'm I'm saying. Quez Watkins still does not get the ball. Baldy put out a tweet during, Brian Baldinger put out a tweet during the game and said, yo, why did it take this long to feed one of your best receivers? One of your fastest, the fastest receiver you got in Quez Watkins. I hate this offense. The offense is putrid. The offensive line struggling. Lane Johnson, let him get his feet back underneath him a little right. bit. I understand that. Mylotta's been out a couple weeks. Is he coming back this week? No, Mylotta's been playing. The issue is Mylotta's been playing right tackle, and then they moved him to left tackle. We want let me to tell s- you something right now. There's a difference. Oh, God. I can tell yeah. you as a player, there's a, a difference. Doubt. And he's got to stay at left tackle. That's where he was all, all training camp. St- that's the thing. Yes, I agree with you. I think that should, that's what should have been the lineup anyway. I think you should have kept Mylotta at left tackle because that's where he was thriving in the beginning of the season. And you put – um, Andre Dillard at right tackle. You, you make him the swing tackle. And you can't have Jack Driscoll start a guard. He's just not big enough. Jack Driscoll is actually okay. He's Jack- a swing tackle, I thought. Now they're trying to play him at guard. Well, that's the thing. He's a swing guard and tackle. Jeez. Yeah. You got to be versatile to play offensive lineman, especially as a backup. Now, the issue has been Landon Dickerson. Landon Dickerson's getting his ass kicked, but he's a rookie, so I, I, I kind of expected that. Like right. he, he was a big mauler coming out of Alabama, but this is the NFL. He's a center, though. He's a center. I think he, once Kelsey well, he's too retires, big. To, he's too big to be a center. You think? Yeah, he's too he's big. great. Alabama. They, they're going to they're going to draft a center. He's too big to be a center. But back to this offense. This yeah, I agree with you. This offense is absolutely putrid. It is horrible. It's hard it to is watch. The, it I don't want to watch it. I just don't the, want to. It is the worst offense I have ever seen watching football in my life. I know high school offenses that are better looking than this. Terrible. Like, people are describing this to a high school offense. Don't disrespect high school football like that. This offense is an absolute disgrace. Nobody gets open. You, there's no um, there's no camaraderie 
between plays. Like there's no play that looks like it's one it's play fluid. that you used before, but it's a different play. There's no flow to it. There's no, there's no consistency to it. It is frustrating to a degree in which I have never seen or experienced before. And this is the reason why. I know you're out on Jalen Hurts, yes. but it's hard for me to say that I'm out on Jalen Hurts because his offense is failing him. Look at the pass to Dallas Goddard. That's a pass that we've complained about him not being able to make. He made that pass in the first series. Why? Because he was in a fucking rhythm. This is what happens when you put a quarterback, I don't care what quarterback you have, any quarterback into some type of a offensive rhythm. You get passes like that. Was it a little high? Yeah, but he dropped that ball to Dallas Goddard in a bucket, and it was beautiful. That's a pass that he wouldn't have been able to make in the beginning of the season, but he made it there. Jalen Hurts has the ability, I believe. It's just that this offense hampers him, and it hampers everybody. We already shown the spotlight on Miles Sanders. We already talked about the rushing attack. I think it needs a change. I think there needs to be new bodies in there. I think what we saw during the Super Bowl year, I keep harping on it because it worked successfully. Now, maybe you credit it to the offensive line being younger, more talented. Credit it wherever you want to. It worked. The rotation worked last year. Once we get Miles Sanders two years ago, whatever it may be, it doesn't work anymore. I don't know why. I don't know if it's – I mean, Doug Peterson's still in charge, but last year, the year before that, when Miles Sanders was on the team, the rushing attacks simply didn't go as well or as flow as well as it did back when we had that that committee approach. Jordan Howard even had a couple really nice games with the Eagles in their their uniforms. Jordan Howard's on the practice squad, and you haven't even activated him. Exactly, exactly. But you're struggling in the red zone. We don't have a bruiser. We need a goddamn bruiser that can run the football up the gut and body somebody. You have a Miles bruiser. Sanders He's on the practice squad. And Jordan Howard should not be on the practice squad. I agree he with you. He should have made the opening day roster. Especially considering that Boston Scott wasn't even playing for the past Boston five, Scott's six Scott's not good. He's not that good of a player, all right? I know he had some flashy plays. He had that cool spin move twirl against the Giants. Cool. He's not going to win you a Super Bowl. He's not going to be a difference maker to make You understand what I'm saying to you? This is go, This is about going to the playoffs. This is about make, make, winning a division. This is about playing good football. Boston Scott, are you kidding me? You think, look, look at look at even the Patriots, for example. They're not even having the best year. But they're coaching one, obviously, Bill Belichick, one of the best, arguably the best. Damian Harris, stud. I mean, Boston Scott, I mean, other defensive coordinators are laughing. you got Boston Scott rushing the ball out there seven times because, one, you go back, change up the scheme. Oh, no one's seen Boston Scott. Maybe I'll throw Boston Scott out there for seven times, seven carries, 24 yards, he had the touchdown, whatever. I mean, he's not a difference maker. You need a guy, you need a physical running back that, one, is good, and you're, like you mentioned, struggling in the red zone. I'm not saying, I'm not saying Jordan Howard's going to come out here and, and rush for 100 yards every single game. We're just not good enough. The offensive line isn't good enough. That's no. not our scheme. No, that's not but it's a guy that can help you, help you. Gainwell and Boston Scott, they're the same player. Gainwell, in my opinion, is a lot better, but what the way Nick Sirianni, in my opinion, views it is, okay, they both can pass catch. Uh, they they're both can go out there on third down and be a scat back. They, Boston Scott being on the field does not help you, in my opinion, a lot. Miles Sanders, I know he gets hurt, and I know you have to use Boston Scott more. I understand people are going to say that. Jordan Howard shouldn't be on your practice squad. I agree with you. Jordan Howard shouldn't be on He just shouldn't. And I'm just saying because the rushing attack, and people are saying, oh, well, has no rushing attack not working, and then we're pointing fingers. Oh, offensive line's not good enough. Miles Sanders isn't good enough. Uh, the head coach doesn't run the scheme properly. Oh, Jalen Hurts should line up under center more and hand the ball off and get. Speaking of going under center, that was. I seen a single back, multiple single back sets in that first drive. I said, oh my God, you can play something other than the goddamn shotgun. Holy crap. Yeah. Wow. Look what happens when you change up the damn formation. Yeah. 
and you stop playing everything from the shotgun formation. I know that's cute. I know that's what's modern. I know that's what's everybody doing. But every fucking play, like I do see teams with a single back set. Hell, one of the last plays against the Raiders, the Raiders came out in a nine formation with a fucking fullback and got that huge pass over for us with a fullback. There is no innovation to this offense, none whatsoever. And the same thing goes for this defense. This coaching staff is in way over their head, Max. And that, that's the one thing that I feared going into this season was that this coaching staff was just going to be so young, so inexperienced, that if they go through a rough patch like this, they are not going to be able to get out of it because they don't know how. And you're stubborn. You're so stubborn to the point where you're not willing to change what you are doing. My issue is how... That first series was beautiful. It was it was symphony on the football field. But you never went back to that formula. I have an issue with that. That's stupid. Why would you go away from something that works? Let me ask you this question, because I think this is a combination of both. I know we're running short on time, and we need to change topics very shortly. But when you talk about a head coach, in my opinion, and a scheme and a defensive coordinator, that they're all not good. And you have personnel in a running back room and a receiving core that might have talent here or there, but they're not that good. And then you look at the offensive linemen. When they're old and, well, quite frankly, they're not that good. And you just, you know, it's just not that good. Where, starting at the top, I understand people make the decisions here. But as if it's you, if you're in charge, what, what do you do? Do you put, what do you put on this Lions game? So the Eagles go out there and they lose to the Lions. What do you do? What do you do Monday morning? You firing somebody or no? I'm not going to fire nobody. I don't think I'm going to fire nobody, but best believe somebody's, somebody's on the chopping back block by the end of the season. I know that much because that's an absolute disgrace. You cannot lose to a team that's has not had a win this season. Here's the crazy part. Here's where I think the Lions are going. Here's why I think the Lions are going to win, and we're really going to be up in arms in this city as Eagles fans. I think the Lions are going to win because if you look at every single last one of their games, they fight. They fight. They know that they're bottom feeders. They know they're not that good. They fight. They will let you know, hey, we're going to be here all 60 minutes, bruh. If you don't bring it all 60 minutes, guess what? We're going to beat you. We're going to come from behind, and we're going to beat you. And that's why I'm I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. I think the Eagles are going to lose, too. Because the Lions have more. The Lions are playing with more passion. They're playing with more effort than the Eagles are, and I'm scared of that because we're not playing with any kind of passion right They're now. Home. They're hungry for that first win. They are – I will not be surprised if they if they beat us. But speaking of being in charge, real quick. They don't have a win. The don't. Eagles can't – if the Eagles lose this game, something, anybody get fired. Somebody. It's not going to happen during the season. The trainer get fired. Somebody, please do something. You can't go the on season. the road and lose to an 0-7 team. It's not – I agree with you, but it's not going to happen during the season. But I tell you what, though, speaking of uh, in charge – you know where this falls. All of this falls. This is on Jeffrey Lurie. This is being this, trying to be the smartest guy in the room, trying to find that guy like Andy Reid, the unknown, and, you know, trying to outsmart everybody. No, you no, you look like a fucking idiot right now. I agree. I'm going to tell you this why. I'm going to tell you why. Because you decided to fire a Super Bowl head coach late into the offseason mm-hmm. in terms of hiring head coaches. And then waited a while. Then waited a long ass while. We were one of the last. We might have been the last. I know Eric Bieniemy was on the table. But that's the crazy part. There were options. There were better options than Nick Sirianni on the table. Deuce Staley might have been a better option. I would take Deuce Staley right. uh, Deuce Staley was the guy that I wanted. I wanted Deuce Staley. But 
you decided to go with a guy out of nowhere that nobody knew because you're trying to outsmart everybody. Not only that, but you're trying to give an opportunity to a guy that's not going to ruffle any feathers within the front office because you're afraid of your son, Howie Roseman, getting his hurt, getting his feelings hurt. I'm sorry. This is the first time I, I think I've ever agreed with Chip Kelly putting Howie Roseman into that closet while he was GM and head coach. I, now I see why. I, I see why now. Here's why I'll give Howie Roseman credit, which I know is a poor time to do. Yeah, very poor. He, he's very – very good with draft picks. I he was good with the cap, and now he's made a few poor decisions. Trades. I mean, listen, we just got a fifth round pick for Joe Flacco. I mean, well, the conditional. Well, listen, it depends on a how many sixth round pick for Joe Flacco. I mean, geez, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? We get three first round picks for the Carson Wentz trade. He makes good trades. The signing. I mean, Stephen Nelson bringing him in. I think he's a good player. Yeah, I do right. Yeah, you know, so I think he makes good moves. Flopped on air. I Wilson. just think. The, the the drafting is awful. The drafting is awful. And somebody, I'm not saying, listen, a co, we're not having a co-GM here. I just need somebody. And even, who, who's the guy that went up to New York? Um, I know what you're talking about. The GM now. I can't think of his name right the now. GM, Joe Douglas. Yeah, there you go. Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas goes up to New York, and he was kind of going hand-in-hand with Howie doing a draft selection and picks like that. He, he's, he hasn't had a great. I mean, listen, the Jets are the Jets. I mean, he hasn't done. Yeah, I was about to say it really, is the Jets. Let's be honest. If you really had to dive into the Jets draft picks, I'm sure they got a couple guys that are some names. But you gotta bring somebody in scouting department that watches college football because I literally don't think how he watches college football. I don't think he watches. I think he just goes to the combine, watches the film. You gotta watch these games, T. You gotta watch these players. Forget just watching these games or watching these players. You gotta know who the hell you're drafting. Who the hell has the most talent? Who the hell has the most upside? You Where need, do they – what conference – like, it goes farther than just their play on the field. What conference are they playing in, which is a huge factor for me. SEC. Right? SEC, that's basically NFL, you know, you got dogs in the 0. SEC. 0.5. Yep. All right. You got Ole Miss, bull- LSU, Alabama, Tennessee. I mean, Prime you got- example, your guy, um, Zach Wilson, BYU. Before his injury, he wasn't doing a damn thing in, in for the Jets. Not doing a damn thing. He wasn't doing anything. Not a single thing. That goes back to conference play. Conference play means a whole lot. Listen, you can dominate, you know, your little conference that you're in and look real good, but um, how you going to play against the big boys? How that play is going to transition? Tua might be the only outlier in that because he played at Alabama. I know he got the hit, hip injury. Maybe that was one of the reasons why he's really struggling with the Dolphins, but I agree with you, and I think something in the scouting department needs to change because Howie – I'm not saying kick his ass down the curb and, and get him out of town, but somebody needs to help him. And, 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 and I'll tell you what needs to happen. If you're not going to get rid of Howie Roseman for obvious reasons, because he's really good with the cap and things of that nature, like draft he, trades. Like I mean, yeah, he's, draft, he's trading, good. He's good with. He's pretty good with trading. Like I understand yeah. all that, but um, he doesn't need to be making the draft picks. Like you need I to agree. demote. Like you need to demote him on that. And in terms of the decision making, you know, and things of that nature, you need to demote him from that. Yeah, he can, he can still be in the room but he needs to have a specific role. You need to hire a guy who knows what the hell they're doing in terms of drafting. Let him be in charge. Nick Sirianni as well. If he's going to – I mean, I don't, I don't want to – listen, going forward, I don't want him to be here next year, but you need to have the head coach involved in these conversations too. And I know he is. You see the war room, the draft room, whatever. Everybody's standing around of one of these tables that we're kind of sitting at right now. Yep. Everybody's high-fiving, clapping. you got to have – your guy – the head coach knows the scheme. The defensive coordinator knows the scheme. I want to see coaches in the room. If we're Listen, we're going defense here, D.C., Gannon, what do you what do you need right now? Right, right now. Listen, I know the talent. I'm the scout. I know the best D end out there right now in the draft. But I want to see what do you need? You need a safety. You need you need an edge rusher. Right. Oh, we got this guy right here out of out of out of Tennessee out of out of, out of LSU. 
stud. Oh, you want them? All right, let's get them on the phone. You know what I mean? Like, stuff like that just needs to happen. I mean, guys know their role, and it comes to a general manager. He's good. He's It's the brain. But the we need somebody that's football. We need some like you say, I don't want stupid football. I need somebody that knows football. I know I know how he's got the degree and he's got the brain for the money and this and that. But you need somebody that knows these players. That's why I always have an issue with guys that makes decisions on the Florida football field and for football players that has never played the damn game a day in their lives. I'm always gonna have an issue with I agree. that. I agree like it, like, and I'm sorry, but I, Howie doesn't look good. Because you basically, and Jeffrey doesn't look good, because you basically hired a guy that's not going to ruffle any feathers. Because let's be honest here, if Eric Bieniemy was hired, he'd have ruffled some feathers and told them what to do. If Deuce Staley, if Deuce Staley got hired, he'd have ruffled some feathers and told them all, what to do. Sudden, Doug case. Peterson got fired because he was t- basically telling them, no, I want to do things my way. Right. Y'all need to do y'all damn job and mind your business. And they said, all right, adios. And look at my home struggling now. Chiefs. Which is crazy. Who, is crazy. I did not see that coming. It's this crazy. Chiefs offense is struggling. I don't they know look why. Like the defense themselves. is poor as well. It's an interesting thing happening there in KC. But listen, we'll get to we'll get back next week. Obviously, Detroit Lions team. How much time we got left here? Uh we got about forty two minutes left. I mean, we got about uh, eighteen minutes left. Eighteen minutes left sure. All right. So well, obviously we're gonna catch everybody up on the Lions next week. Hopefully it's a win. Jeez, if it's not a win, there needs to be some serious changes going down. Um either either after that game or see you mentioned it at the end of the season because you just can't lose a game like this. And this is kind of where my backbone falls because I talked about schedule preseason and I mentioned, listen, we got the Lions, you got the Jets. I mean, now Tanner's not here, but I can almost guarantee that we all had the Lions as a win. Um, <laughs> here's the crazy part: the Eagles came out um, in Vegas and they're favored by three points. Yeah, I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the Lions plus three. Okay, I got, I got the Lions right, winning. Cover. Oh, they're oh they're going to cover. I got the Lions winning. Okay, I do. I don't see a scenario where I can trust this team in any aspect to beat the damn Lions. So Tanner and I are obviously our, our projections are obviously destroyed, and we're not no longer perfect because I believe we had the Eagles beating the Raiders yeah. in Vegas, so we're I, done. I had them losing. I know that we both also all three of us picked the the Lions as a loss for for them, and obviously the Eagles get a win. But I'm with you. I mean, no facets of this team right now. Are going smoother. We're not running on any cylinders at all. We, in fact, there's no cylinders in the car. We're driving without an engine right now. You're driving without gas. It's rolling down the hill and nothing's going to stop. There's, there's no fucking gas in this. And vehicle. the lions are chasing after you. They're running right behind your car. You got six lions on your back, and they're coming for you this weekend in Detroit. I'm with you. I don't think the Eagles win this game. How, how the hell am I going to pick the Eagles to win? How? Well, give me what? Oh, they got a, they got a good quarterback. No. Oh, they got a good rushing attack. No. Oh, they got a good line. Their defense is all over the place. They don't even have a scheme that they're using. It's sit there in the zone. No, should, no, the special teams. Like, are we forcing turnovers? Not really. I should be yeah, able yeah. to. I should be able to hang my hat on my defensive line, but my defensive line is getting blown off the line of scrimmage. This is unlike anything that I've seen in years. I've never in my entire life watching Philadelphia Eagles games have seen a Philadelphia Eagles defensive line in the history that I've been watching football get blown off the line of scrimmage like they have been this season. I've never seen it before. No, they're not going to win. How no. can you pick them? You just can't. And listen, you could argue the Lions with no wins yet this year are a better football team than the Eagles. They're playing harder. You mentioned they're in a game. They almost they were in that game with the Rams until they had that turnover late. Yep. But listen, that was they Jared Goff's fault. Yeah, they were there. And let's be now. Watch Jared Goff come out here and look like a perfect quarterback. Watch against this defense. What against this damn defense. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, listen, we'll be back with everybody next week. Touch on the Eagles and see if they can get a win. Of course, a lot a lot of heated this discussion today and rightfully so and we'll see listen howie roseman i think we both made 
uh, made our peace and made some good points, and we'll see what happens moving forward. But, yeah, Roseman just needs some help in the drafting process. What's he here for? And the players right now are really, really struggling. The personnel needs to change, and I think the rushing attack needs to as well. Uh, with that being said, T, the Sixers are in full swing of things right now. Full steam ahead for that squad, and they had a debacle again late on Friday night against the Brooklyn Nets, which really was a heartbreaker because it's like, oh, why are you watching in October basketball? Who cares? Waiting for the playoffs, and it's like they're beating the piss out of the Brooklyn Nets for yeah, three they quarters, were, which is crazy. And then all of a sudden, they remember, oh wait, we're the Sixers. We don't close games. That's the see. Here's the thing. Um, the Sixers still don't have a closer, and that's the one thing that I fear. Like, do I believe that this team can move on and still do, do and still do good without Ben Simmons? Hell yeah, I do. But their problem at the end of the day is they don't have any fucking closers. Jimmy Butler was the only closer that this process um, era has had, and he didn't want to be here. Let me ask you this question: As a closer, say we get CJ McCollum, for example, from the Portland Trailblazers, good player. Yeah, he's a good player. Good with the ball in his hands. Yeah. can create his own shot. No doubt. Is that a, do you win a championship with that move? No, because he's not a closer. He's a scorer, but do I trust him to take games at the end of the take shots at the end of a game? Not really. Not really. I mean, I I want to agree with you, and and I think that's a great answer. Not really, because it's like maybe. I mean, he can score the basketball, throw yeah, the ball can. in his hands. He can because score. Because the closer out there in Portland ben, is Damian, Damian Lillard. Lillard, so and he's maybe a can, player. right. So maybe can can CJ McCollum be that closer that we are looking for? It's a possibility, but I, I, I you personally think there's better don't options see it. out there. The only problem is, are those options going to come open? And I think that's the thing they where. So you're you're you're, you're without saying that you're indirectly saying Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard. This is true. Yeah, I, I kind of am, but the issue is, are they going to come free? I think Bradley Beal sh- should come free. The Wizards are absolutely awful. He should. They're terrible. But he doesn't want to leave, and he's been on record of why? saying that. I don't know why. You got you to ask Bradley that. Why? I couldn't tell you. You're, and, and listen, I get it. You like the area? D- d- three hours north. We're not going west coast here. <laughs> three hours north. It's not. You're not taking a plane back to L.A. or to Denver what? or Phoenix or Oklahoma City. You're taking a bus three hours north. If you hey, listen, buy a house in Delaware and meet halfway if you really want to stay that close. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. I don't know what it is. It's the ridiculous. ownership, maybe it's the like teammates are cool. I have no idea. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what the what the reason is or why he wants to really be there out in, in Washington. I honestly couldn't tell Damian you. Damian Lillard hey. is an icon out in Portland. He, I, I'm assuming he wants to stay there. He does. They're not going to win. I hope he knows that, but fine. If you want to stay out there, whatever, so be it. They might be middle of the pack, too, so as we near the trade deadline, like a lot of people are suggesting, I will make a trade near the trade deadline. If they're in it, they're not just going to give their best player away. The Wizards probably won't be in it, and I'm thinking, Brad, Please, why, why, why waste your prime of your career in a in a place one that's not going anywhere, and two, you're going to join a team that you can win a championship with. You're not. It's not like you're getting traded to a middle of the pack team. That's the, that. See what we're talking about is what Daryl Morey is hoping is going to happen. That's the reason why he hasn't traded away Ben Simmons. Like we've seen some of the trades that you know teams have offered. I think the Wizards want them too. Maybe they're not sitting here saying, "Oh, listen, we don't really want Ben Simmons." I think they would like, "All right, yeah, sure, I'll take." I'm going to be Simmons. honest with you. With with okay, so because we've been off for a couple of weeks, let's get into some Ben Simmons antics, some of his antics that he's done. Yeah. Now he's come back, and the only reason why he did come back was because he was losing an ass load of money. All right, as a matter of fact, he probably lost like 1.3 million. He I'm lost not over a million dollars. So he came back, came back in sweatpants. And a cell phone in his pocket. Yes. You don't think the rest of the NBA saw that? I'm sure they did. Their, his attitude. 
Then to make matters worse, the next day that you come into practice, you don't want to do a damn drill and you get kicked out of practice. And now you're saying that, you know, he's going, you know, he can't mentally play with the team. Listen, I, I don't play with mental health. If, you know, any, if anything's affecting you mental-wise, I I, I'm not touching that. I, I'm not going to say that he's not going through something. That's not my position to say so. I'm not. However, I am going to attack you for your character, and you look like an ass coming in, coming back to the team like that. You came back because you, you were losing money, but if you would at least show forth some kind of effort, like you cared, maybe your stock right. draft would increase. Now, I agree with him when he says that, you know, it's not his responsibility to increase his draft stock. I mean, that's draft stock. It's trade stock. I agree with you. However, no NBA team is going to trade for you right now because you look like a baby, and in the back of their minds, they're thinking to themselves, well, if you're acting like this with the Sixers, how are you going to act like that with us? Like, that's just something to think about. I agree with you, and I think we're agreeing a lot today because I think both of us are on the same page when it comes to, one, where the Eagles are and where they stand, but also where the Sixers are with Ben Simmons right now. As much as I want Bradley Beal, and trust me, I want Bradley oh, Beal. Oh, so do I. I understand where Daryl Morey's coming from, and this might be the – like, I'm sitting here as a hothead saying I want Ben Simmons gone, yeah. but he he's – Daryl Morey's a smart guy. Like, this guy, I know he doesn't, have, he doesn't have a ring. He doesn't have a trophy on the mantle for being so-called one of the best GMs in the league. I understand that in Houston and whatnot. But he understands this is a process. It is. And if I'm not going to get rid of Ben Simmons with all this untapped potential, which we know in Philadelphia probably is not going to come to fruition, no. one, because of how he is person. And this is where you go back to the person. This has nothing to do with the talent. And I always said that. It has nothing to do with him shooting a three ball at this point. Right. It's the person. Yes. And he comes back in the cell phone out of pocket. Whatnot. He's just not engaged. I no, mean, he's, he's the not. guy. So Daryl Moore is going to sit here and wait. And I'm thinking this is what's going to happen. And this is just an option. An injury. Maybe a team's making the playoffs or not. They lose a star. They lose a, a ball handler, a point guard. It's another option. Maybe, and they get something. But right now, Darren Moore is sitting here on his hand saying, I'm not trading this guy unless I get an impact player immediately. He already said he's already on record as saying that he's willing to wait the four years left on his contract. So, if if look, if he doesn't get the deal that he wants, then guess what? Ben Simmons is going to be here for another three, four years, unfortunately. And I, I believe Darren Moore is, is telling the truth. I, I I do like he Ben Simmons signed the contract for the money, not thinking of the consequences this could happen. And he saw Anthony yep. Davis leave the Pelicans. He saw all these other stars leave their respective teams and get their way, and you know, bitching and complain about wanting out of their their shithole city to go to a championship contender. And now all of a sudden, Ben Simmons is considering us, you know, not that great. Doesn't like the city. Doesn't like the fans. He wants out, and he's going to sit here and complain and moan and get his way like a little toddler you know, when they want a candy from the candy store. And he thinks, oh, work with everybody else. I'm just going to do that. I just got $170 million. Not only that, I got it from this team, but I don't want to play for this team. I want to go play for another team. Reality is it's not now because you signed that contract, bro. It's not going to be that easy to move you because, one, now teams know who you are. You're a, a great passer, a great defender, but you ain't shooting that ball. You are a 40-something percent free throw percentage shooter. Right. And you are a liability on the offensive side of the ball. Teams know who you too. are. You're a choker in the playoffs. And listen, this we go back to the Pacers deal on the table with Malcolm Brogdon. That deal felt like not fell through, but that deal's not going to happen anymore because you had Brogdon signing that extension a couple weeks back, mm-hmm. two years. I forget how much million he got, but he got a really sweet deal. Um, 
I don't think Darren Moy is going to trade for Colin Sexton, the Cavaliers. I don't think he's going to trade the Portland Trailblazers unless it's Damian Lillard. I'm starting to think if he doesn't get Bradley Bill or Dame or who, another star player like a De'Aaron Fox, another guy we haven't really talked about that much, if the Kings are struggling, I know the Kings don't want to get rid of Fox, but it's a contract that might work out based on money. I think he's just going to wait, wait this thing out. Yeah. And to some degree, I can't blame him, but here's my problem. The Sixers are closer away from bringing a title or two in the next couple of years. I completely agree with you. And, and how are we going to – how do you balance Embiid in his prime as a big man and playing the patient waiting game as a GM? I that, mean, it's got to keep you awake at night. And that's the thing. That's where I think Daryl Moore is really going to have to make his – is where Daryl Moore is really going to make his money is the scenario that you set him and the scenario that the Sixers are in right now is the fact that Joel Embiid is playing at a high level. He is in his prime. He is a big man with bad injuries, okay? You need to take advantage of that right now um Ben Simmons playing the long game that's another issue that we're going to have to look into that you're going to have to look into and, and you're going to have to really think about and it, it he, he is not in an easy position and yes I agree with you I think they are a closer away from bringing a championship here maybe not two but I think they can bring a championship here if they bring that closer up in here I mean shoot I think this team can survive without Ben Simmons. Look at the way they're playing. I forgot the pick they're and not roll. Win even, a title though, that's the problem. They're I forgot the, the I forgot the pick and roll even existed with yes. Ben Simmons. With or without Ben Simmons, the Sixers are not winning a title. No, it's not going to happen. But Daryl Morey, like you just mentioned, a good point. He's going to have to make a hard decision sooner yes. rather than later. Now you never root for injuries around the league in general, but if if one happens, we have an opportunity to pounce on it. When Bradley Beal's a free agent after this year, I believe, right? Um, or next year. Um, I'm not sure. Let me check real quick. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Because that's the guy you're going to have to go out there and try to grab. It's That's the guy you're going to have to go out there and try to grab. I mean, there's no real way around it. Unless, you, now I get it. You never know what happens with other s- superstars. They get pissed off. They don't want to play in their city anymore. Um, you know, maybe Jason Tatum in a couple years doesn't want to play in Boston anymore. Yeah, but, um, but we don't have to, we don't have to three years to wait here with Joel Embiid. Yeah, but you want to wait. You really want to wait all that? No, I agree um, with you. You don't want to, and that's you have to win when Joel Embiid's in his prime right now because in two years his knee could be bothering him. It already is bothering him. Yeah, exactly. saw him limping around on it. Exactly. So yeah, he's, Bradley Bills, including this year, he's got two years left on his contract. So it's this year and next year. So okay. if you you'd have to wait a whole additional year do for you Bradley. Do that? Hell no, I'm not willing to do that. You got to trade for somebody. You got to do something. But that's where the waning game comes into play. And you know, hey, this is where Darren Moore is going to make his money. Um. He's going to have to figure something out. See what you can't play the long game with Ben Simmons as much as you want to, as much as you think you can, but you're not going to be able to play that long game. you got to do something with him. And whether you got to settle for some role players. No, Tay, we're not settling for role players here. I can't. I agree with you, but that's probably the scenario that's going to happen. Because at this point, you're relying on players to either get frustrated with their team because they stink and they want to go to a title contender, or you're relying on an injury to happen on a team. You ain't got no choice. Jeez, man. You might – this might be a scenario where Darryl yeah, Morey – If you bring in role players, you better hold the ball bounces your way. Darryl you Morey – turn the ball over. Little things like in key games in the playoffs need to bounce your way. And I'm going to be honest with you, Darryl Morey really fumbled the, fumbled the ball, you know, because he had a chance to trade for James Harden last season yeah. at the trade deadline. But um, he didn't want to give up Baxi. But we, we could have got rid of Ben Simmons, and that could have been your closer. That could have been your difference maker what right was there. It? Do you know the deal off the top of your head that was? Not off the top of my head, but I know Maxie was involved. Picks, picks, Maxie. Picks, Maxie, Simmons. Maybe Thibault. Possibly. Possibly. I don't, think, I don't know if Thibault was in that. I thought Thibault was in the Kyle Lowry deal, maybe. I think he was in the – yeah, I know he was in the Kyle Lowry deal. 
But I'm not sure if he was in the James Harden video. Well, we'll see. We'll but see. Hey. All right. All right. Well, you guys missed any of this episode, you can always go to philly-experience.simplecast.com, available on all major downloadable platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the entire Shabazz. This, 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 doing these episodes is getting depressing. I, I ain't even going to I agree with you 100%. It is getting so depressing doing Somebody this. Somebody needs now. to do something. I agree. Somebody like Win somebody some in Philadelphia needs to stand up. I don't care who it is. I know that I know the Eagles ain't gonna stand up. Maybe I, the Flyers just, stand up. I, I'm hoping for them. They got a big game tomorrow against the Oilers. By the way, this the is Oilers true. are five and up. Yeah, they're a tough team, and you're yeah. traveling out there. Good luck to them. But yeah, it's gonna be hard. That's gonna be a hard game. Yeah. Man, that's ludicrous. You're always on your back. It's stupid. It's funny to me, too. I hear you. This is some bullshit. Oh, that was terrible. I am pissed off.